Hey guys, this is Tracy. I am the High Achievers Coach and welcome to another episode of Courageous, Successful, and Happy. It's not a place to get to, it's a place to come from. I want to share with you a really magical trip to the McKittrick to sleep no more that I took back in November of 2018. It was actually November 19th to be exact. And I had taken um, two friends that have never gone before. And sometimes, um, not every time, but sometimes I write show recaps uh, for myself just to remember things, remember mostly feelings and um, how I explored that night and where I was enthralled or disappointed or angry or curious. And it has served, when I look back at them, it has really served to show me where I was in my life at that time. It's um, been hugely, as you guys know, transformational for my life and my work. And it's as I'm recording this, I'm putting together all of the bits and pieces of a brand new uh, coaching adventure. I'm calling it an immersive coaching adventure program. It's a group program. And it's all about immersive experiences and adventure uh, for a group of really kick-ass, powerful women. So more about that launch, but I wanted really wanted to share with you my thoughts about this particular visit to the McKittrick Hotel. That night, I so wanted to see Maximilian in the bar. Maximilian is slash was, he was the second man in the bar that I fell in love with. The first one was Calloway, but Maximilian was there a whole lot more when I was really heavily going. Um, when I lived in New York and I was going a couple times you know, every few months, maybe a couple times a month. And I got to know his character. You know, I follow him now on social media and he lives out in LA now. His name is Nick Atkinson, but um, just envelops for me the playful, whimsical side of Sleep No More while where Calloway is more the, I don't say foreboding, but ironic and... Um, serious, but underneath that seriousness is certainly just tremendous playfulness. So that night I was really, really hoping to see Maximilian. I'd been dreaming about for weeks, um, but it was not to be. He was not at the bar that night. And I, I started out because I had such expectation, air quotes. I started out disappointed, which was interesting. But But you all know my favorite thing to do in the world is to bring virgins to the McKittrick. I love sharing all of the possibilities, all of the opportunities, all of the depth and love and lust and murder and mayhem and confusion and mystery that the hotel has to offer. And a huge part of why I'm really making a pivot in my coaching practice um, and working exclusively with immersive theater. And I've been really anticipating this night. And I do a very good job, as you all know, in suspending disbelief and getting myself excited about things because I so, so love to feel the magic, right? I love how it feels leading up to the day, not really telling my guests much about what they're going to experience, really reveling in their anticipation and their hopefulness. I love standing in line with them, allowing their excitement to wash over me and sort of become my own excitement. I love their expressions when they walk into the Manderley and they get seduced by the lighting, the smells, the music, and that soft chatter. 
I love hearing their cards being called and sensing their nervousness, that look in their eye of, what, what do I do now? Where do I go? And sometimes I allow my preoccupation with their experience to overshadow my own experience. My excitement about how they're going to feel it, how they're going to be enveloped and wrapped and immersed in this brand new world. And it happened again that Sunday night. I was the first one out of the elevator and I got let out on the fifth floor and I found myself rushing down the stairs to the first floor on a mission not to miss anything. I wanted to see it all, all of it, experience every freaking thing, feel all of the feelings. And it wasn't lost on me that this is how I had been behaving in my life around then and my life and my work, wanting to feel it all, do it all, experience it all. I had major FOMO. I was overextending myself and it wasn't serving me, but somehow still back in that time, I didn't want to limit my choices or experiences. When I got down there to the first floor, nothing was happening. And I thought to myself, okay, what feeling am I going after? I bounded upstairs to the lobby. And just so you know, I, I'd never be, I've never been really good at remembering the timing of the loops and what happens when, because the show or the whole experience happens three times in one night. And that's why whenever someone's going, you know, without me, like no one ever should go without me, right? <laughs> I always tell them get the earliest entrance possible because then you get to be inside for the whole three hours. But the whole experience happens three times in one three-hour block. So it's really the show is one hour and it and it just loops. And at the end of the third loop, something else happens. That's the finale. But there are people and people who go a lot and a lot more than I've gone who just have a really good way of remembering by musical cue, by where certain performers are at certain points, what's going to happen next on what floor and in what room. And I've never been good at that. I guess also because I've, my sense of direction is not good, right? I get, just get turned around and especially after a couple of cocktails, I can't, I can't figure it out. So when I got to the lobby, and just so you know, the lobby, when you hear me talking about it, to me, and to a lot of people who have really studied and written and analyzed the show, the lobby to me is the seat of power in the McKittrick Hotel, mainly because of the porter and because so many have to pass through the lobby. It's, I almost liken it to the speakeasy that you spend time in before you go into the actual show. It's sort of like the clearinghouse. I don't want to say purgatory, but it's the, sort of you have to go through that to get anywhere else. And the lobby serves as, as that place of passing through, but also that place of knowing, the seat of power. And the porter is instrumental in so much that happens. And he is, well, he does, he's not the ultimate supreme power of the McKittrick Hotel. That's Hecate, of course. But he knows so, so much. And really, um, and I follow the porter so many times and have looped the porter. Um, and depending on who's playing him, it's, it's just incredible. But that night, I saw the porter behind the desk and I, I found myself, I don't know, impatient with him. Like I wasn't ready to commit to him. And that happens when you go a lot or even go a few times. It's like you make this connection with the performer, with the character, and you commit. And sometimes when you commit, you really get rewarded. That's all I'll say about that. But I was not ready to commit to the porter that night. So I found the stairs. I bounded up to the fourth floor. 
on High Street because I thought surely something exciting is happening there. And because a lot does happen there. And I catch Macbeth's entrance to the witch's rave or the witch's prophecy. It's really both. And I had never entered it at this time or viewed it in the in the specific room at this angle before. And it was really like seeing things from a totally different perspective. And I saw things from Macbeth's perspective that night instead of the witches, which I gravitate to the witches, boy witch absolutely is, well, it fluctuates, but has been largely my most favorite character in the show. And so I always gravitate to to feel the experience from the witch's perspective. But seeing it from Macbeth's perspective, I never really realized how much anger he had before. I mean, obviously, with what just happened, I get it. He just, you know, committed murder. But it was so interesting to see it from this angle. And it was fun, but... I, st- I felt somehow still disconnected, still wanting more, as if you know, bloody bodies in various states of undress writhing to techno beats while prophesizing Macbeth's invincibility was somehow just not enough for me at that point. And, and it wasn't. And I was still chasing more. I was super energized by the rave. And then I was wandering from floor to floor until I caught the ballroom scene. And it's always been one of my favorites. And and I caught it again from a really different angle, or maybe my mind was just in a different place because it felt so new and fresh. And what I love about the ballroom scene is that at first glance, if you don't really know what's going on, it feels like such a celebratory thing that's happening because what's going on, people dancing and marveling and laughing, it's really Lady Macbeth setting the stage for everything that happens, right? Setting the stage with King Duncan and lauding him and and welcoming him as the Macbeth's guest at this big party. Meanwhile, the three witches are, you know, seducing and um, enrapturing everyone at the ball. And so if you don't know that, you think the whole ball scene is just so lovely and light, but really there's some shit going down. And that night, oh, Banquo was incredible. And I, I didn't write down his name. And sometimes I do that, um, the actual actor's name. He was so handsome and he just was a, the most wonderful dancer. And the witches were, you know, their spells were crescendoing, you know, they were entrancing everyone watching and really setting the stage for some big time evil doing. And I felt myself at this point, start to relax into this and slow down. My inner soundtrack was slowing down to meet the time signature of the McKittrick. Slowing down and syncing up. I found myself gravitating back toward the lobby. And I went on to view my all-time favorite scene, and which I've only had ever seen once before, and that's Boy Witch. And the once before I saw it was with Austin Goodwin. And I mean, how can you ever top that? P.S. you can't. But Boy Witch is singing Is That All There Is by Peggy Lee. And his interaction with the porter right before the scene, his emotions all throughout. That night, it was Gage self-playing it. It was almost, it was too much to bear. Like I felt this incredible heaviness and squeezing of my heart. It was just the way he was taunting the porter, yet, I don't know, it made me feel like he maybe did love him too. I, I don't know. It was we, I've, I'd never seen it from that perspective before, and I'd seen a lot of boy witches and porters up until then. So, Gage, you did an awesome job if you're listening. 
And I felt myself falling and falling and falling deeper into the heart of the hotel, in time with its heartbeat, in concert with its breathing. I made my way back out to the Manderley for a cocktail. And for those of you listening, you can, if you can find it, come step out of the show, take your mask off and go back to the speakeasy or the Manderley bar um, for a cocktail. And just to rest because it can get hotty, hot and sweaty. It can get hot and sweaty. Um, if you're, especially if you're running and Stella Sinclair had not taken the stage yet that night, there was a lovely three piece jazz band playing. And I found myself sitting next to a young couple who had just finished seeing the illusionist table. And sometimes the sleep no more enterprise has other shows attached to it. And they sell experiences where they, you can, you know, have to have it like a VIP experience inside the Manderley, not necessarily go into sleep no more, but before or after their other experience. And that's what this couple had been doing. They saw the illusionist table and they had their little champagne bucket. So they were sitting next to me. And the man, I want to say he was a boy because, well, I'm a little older. <laughs> he he was telling me, we got, to, we got to talking and he was telling me how he went to sleep no more once. And he mostly stayed on one floor because he didn't know what to do. The way you experience sleep no more the first time, and you guys have heard me talk about my first time, I didn't know what to do either. So I could totally relate. But the way you experience sleep no more the first time is the way you're you're doing life. And it can tell you so much about how you're viewing life and where you're activating your agency. But I won't go down that road, guys. So I told them all about, you know, how many times I had been been there. You know, I explained that I had founded, uh, I founded, and I didn't found sleep no more, but I found it in 2012. Moved to Texas in next that next year, 2013, and I at that point had still made a, a priority to go back a few times a year. It was that important to me, obviously, still is. And the girl, she was so darling, lovely, and really dressed up, and just so so cute. She explained that she had um, she had never been, but she really wanted to go. And something came over me, and I I just held up my mask and I offered it to her. Like I wanted so much for her to pop it on and go experience it, even if it was just only for a few minutes. And she was so, so excited and really wanted to do it. But the guy said something like, no, let's wait until we can do it together or something like that. And I actually literally saw her flame dim. And she agreed with him and she waved me off and she's like, no, it's okay. I'll wait. And we went on to talk for a little bit longer, but honey, you should have taken that fucking mask and gone in. You wanted to do it and you let him make that decision for you. Don't do that. It's your life and you get to decide all of the things. And in my mind, of course I said this with love. Fast forwarding to post finale, one of my friends got a walkout, which is so fucking ceremonial and amazing. And they had the best time, right? They both had one-on-ones. Two of them had, um, one of them had two one-on-ones. They fell in love. They fell in lust. They got lost in themselves in the adventure. They played a really interesting game of cards. One of them did. One of them drank shots with speakeasy. One of them tried to protect pregnant Lady Macduff in so much as you can protect her, right? And they both remembered for a little while that life is magic and magic is real. I was so thankful for what the hotel had to teach me that night. It somehow always knows what we need. I love you guys. I hope you enjoyed my story and it's inspired you to look at your life and things in a different way. I will talk to you really soon. Have an awesome week.